0: Welcome to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast series, where we talk about the news and <laughs> interview newsmakers. You know what? This has been so long since we did a podcast. I forgot the intro. Anyway, we're going to talk about some drones today, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that are in the news. And uh, as we always do, let's say hello to our guest host, Mister Gene Robinson.
1: Hello Patrick, it's been quite a while to be sitting in the old left seat again, but uh here we are.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, you know I've been really busy with the expo. Um it's it's funny how much work that thing is. Uh all the different emails that I get. They're they're really interesting. Uh some of the emails I get from people who are coming and sponsorships, but we're pretty much we're done. We're I think we're almost sold out on sponsorships. Um, we're getting close to being sold out on entrance, so if anybody out there listening wants to go, you better sign up now. Uh, we got you on for Friday for the SAR workshop. That's going to be good. Um, yep, I think,
1: diligently working on the presentation there. so
0: I think that's going to be full up, so you want to sign up for that if you plan on attending. Um It's crazy. We got uh, Jim Williams from the FAAs asked for an hour uh, so he could do some thorough Q&A. It's kind of funny as Maha was asking, why do you need an hour to say no? You know, some people have to say no more than once, I guess. I don't know. It works for me anyway. But uh, we got that going, and uh, there's a couple of late entries. But, yeah, the uh, there's, like, no more room for speakers. I got people begging me to speak, but there's just no more room. But, anyway, there's um, been a lot of stuff in the news. We've had all kinds of different stories going on. I'm running a little caption contest for the 420 flyover, if anybody caught that on the news on the web page. Um and then you know I've been, I've been seeing this guy there's this guy down in Texas and uh, you may know this guy he he seems to be popping up all over the place and uh he's actually taking more than uh one or two times saying no about using a uh, drone for search and rescue
1: Indeed must be uh, speaking of Tim Miller <laughs>
0: As a matter of fact, that's exactly who I'm speaking of, and uh, so yeah, today's show we're, we've got uh, Mr. Gene Robinson, our, our uh, humble co-host, and also um, a party in this uh, new story, and we have we also have uh, Brendan Schulman, who is also involved in this story, and so Just a little think, bit, yeah, you know. Here and there, peppered in there. So I figured what we would do is we would, uh, you know, talk a, a little bit about this. Um, but first, before we get kicked off, and uh, Brendan, you, you, you've been on the show multiple times now. You're you're uh, you're almost like our um, de facto uh, you know, lawyer on this thing. But could you please talk uh, to the people here and tell them a little bit about yourself, your bio, and uh, how you how you kind of got here.
2: Uh, Sure, and thanks for having me again. Uh, So uh, I'm head of the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Group at the law firm of Kramer Levin, and I think as some of your listeners know, we handled the very first commercial drone uh, litigation against the FAA that resulted in a decision from the NTSB judge the other month uh, finding that there was no basis to to fine Rafael Perker for his uh, his flight of a five-pound foam. Uh, aerial photography drone in Virginia. Uh, That decision is on appeal, as you probably also know. Um, And, you know, my own background in this really goes back 20 years. I've been flying drones or what we really used to call model airplanes uh, for a long time and building them. And, you know, most recently, Uh, using the cameras and multirotors and the other things that are just just for for fun, really. Um, So I've had an interest not just in the technology, but also the surrounding legal issues that have really come to a head in the past couple of years. Um, And so in in more recent times, I, I was retained on behalf of Texas EquiSearch in connection with its dispute concerning the FAA. I think that's what we're going to talk about.
0: That is correct. Um, I do want to talk about that, and uh, it is kind of interesting. You know, um, you know, it's good that you gave us that uh, that historical perspective. And it is funny. I mean, I talk to people all the time now that say, "Oh, yeah, there was this uh, decision, and now it's legal, and I went out and uh, bought a drone, and I'm going nuts, and it's great, and you know, the rest is history." And so, you know, I would say, "Well, did you catch the the next story?" <laughs> where you know there was an emergency appeal but anyway i don't have time to educate everybody we try we try to put it out there it's up to people to get educated on their own but you know uh your your last client was a little bit of a uh let's say a polarizing um personality not a bad guy i met him personally he doesn't he doesn't really have horns um but this case uh there's there is definitely a lot more support from the community, and I, and I think, of course, that that's just because of the players and applications. What what, what have you been uh, hearing?
2: Well, I you know the, the feedback has been supportive in both cases, and I think it it's because of the core issue here, which is that yeah you know, we have a federal agency that has stood in the way for a long time on the basis of policy statements and. Uh, you know, the process in Washington is supposed to work a little differently. We're supposed to have proposed rules announced to the public, an opportunity to comment on them, and then a final rule that takes into consideration public comment, uh, and none of that process has happened. Instead, we've had almost a decade of a federal ban on the use of this technology, both for commercial and apparently for humanitarian nonprofit purposes as well, and I think that's been frustrating to a lot of people. So uh, no matter where you stand vis-a-vis these clients, I think the people who work with the technology have been very frustrated um, and and are glad to see some signs of progress, uh, even if if that progress, unfortunately, from my point of view, has to be through resort to litigation.
0: Well, uh, something had to be done, and I totally concur with you. I've been—I think we've talked about that—but uh, I've been beating on them myself for years about you know the quasi or supposed public rulemaking process and policy changes and all the rest of that. I am not um, an attorney. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn, any of that, but. Um, I had I raised a lot of the same questions. I'm like, wait a minute, this you know, this doesn't seem right to me. I thought there was a there's an Administrative Procedures Act, yada yada yada. But uh, anyway, I didn't really get too far, um, probably because you know I didn't have the law degree going. But it's definitely something that um, I'm glad, and there uh, most people in the community are very glad that you are uh, you're taking up these these cases. Um, some people, I've heard a little bit of feedback, oh, you know, and then you got the Eeyore's, yeah, know, and Hahn about how we don't want to force the FAA's hand. And, you know, at this point, it's like, uh, you know, there's really, we've waited around so long for the, 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 the wheels of lawmaking to kind of turn. And, uh, if it goes on much longer, I'll be retired before anything happens. So I say go get them, um, you know, and go ahead. But I, you know, we have, uh, talked you know with with Gene here being our co-host and we know that he's been out on searches and you read some of the accounts of these searches like some that are in the uh, what you filed there and it, it's just heartbreaking and uh, we've been round and round on it but uh, Gene I mean what 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 kind of what kind of came about how, how did this kind of come about
1: well you know Patrick we've been trying to work cooperatively with the, uh, with the agency for since 2006, you know, to develop community-based standards. Uh, yeah. And you know, that, that's for, you know, for a very long time anyway. And, uh, we've, I, uh, have been told no, uh, more times than, than not, even in a most cooperative state. And, uh, it, it really is difficult to be able to to attend a search or go to a search to try to assist and be uh, denied the ability to, to use the technology. And it's even more difficult to have to tell a parent or a loved one that, you know, we have something here that we could use and, and we can't. Um, that's got to be the worst. And, well, um, you know, you hear that so many times. After a while, you just say, okay, enough is enough.
0: Well, I mean, and and you have it in I believe that was in the civilian drone movie. You you've actually put the, the parent on the phone with the person from the FAA. Is that correct?
1: That is correct, and uh, it, it was pretty scary because um, I didn't think I was going to get my cell phone back. Because by the time the the individual got done explaining to the father what was going on, uh, he was in a a pretty agitated state. So yeah it, being there and being real and uh, being uh, with those folks it's uh yeah, you know you'll do just about anything you can to help them out
0: Oh of course, of course, and uh, you know it's kind of a um it's a sad situation uh you know scary and all the rest of that so how did it, how did we can we talk about how the, the this this latest Filing kind of happened, and then I'll leave that to either one of you to uh, to field.
1: Sure, Uh, it was. uh, It's in the in the 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 document there that Brendan filed. But uh, back in February, we had another search come up, and uh, in light of the situation, we figured I figured that uh, maybe we should ask again and see what the position was, and since. We have done COAs before and that sort of thing. We thought maybe, you know, we might catch a break. And uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, We asked and uh, we got uh, the answer that we've always gotten. And um, since uh, Brendan had represented so well in the other case, we thought that, uh, you know, maybe this is a way to move forward rather than have to wait through another period of X number of years, um, you know, maybe we can find a way to get this done so that we can go out and do the humanitarian work at the very least. Is that a, a fair assessment, Brendan?
2: Yeah. Look, I, th- I think in the past uh, there have been various phone calls, either to, to you or other volunteers or to lo- local authorities, about you know whether you should use the drone or not, or you know just uh, to put a mildly discouraging you from doing it. This was the first time that there was a writing to you and, and, and to Texas EquiSearch saying that it's illegal and it must be stopped immediately. And, I, you know, to me, that, that that's an important distinction. Uh, these are not phone calls. This, is, this really has the weight of the agency behind it, as we've seen in various other documents that have been issued or posted to the website. Uh, it's really the, the agency's policy. And, you know, I think uh, in light of the lack of regulation, uh, is something that can be challenged, and you know we're prepared to do that. Although, you know, a- as we as we tried in the first instance, we wrote a letter just asking them to do the right thing, and uh, you know, the rec- and, and we and we addressed it to the chief counsel's office, the lawyers there, people who are you know familiar with legal doctrines, and we thought that perhaps that would elicit a. Um, you know, sort of more legalistic response, and we didn't receive uh, any response at all. So, at, you know, at this point, we really have no choice but to, but to sue, and that's what we've done.
0: Well, from somebody who's been writing letters to the FAA for many years, um, <laughs> I'm still waiting for stuff a lot of six, seven years ago. Yeah. But I'm, I'm by the mailbox. I'm figuring any day that stuff's going to drop through the slot and I'll be here getting the answers that I need. Uh, And I hate to make light of this situation because this one is really a humanitarian thing. But I mean, we've talked about this before on the show, no money changes hands. You're just out there with your plane, uh, trying to do the right thing and help people gene and they are busting your chops.
1: Well, I mean, it's a, An extremely efficient use of the technology, uh, not to mention a very, you know, a good use of the technology. And since we're flying basically an RC profile, we're not doing waypoint navigation, we're not doing any of that sort of thing. It's one of those things like, huh, you know Why I can go out here and I can fly in a park and it's okay. But if I do it on a, quote, official basis, it's not okay. Uh, it's, it's really kind of an odd paradigm there.
0: It is, uh, it's very odd. And, you know, it's funny Is you know, I talk to people, of course, all the time and they talk about, you know, these guys that are the hobby guys doing this and doing that and yada, yada, and it's all going crazy. And, you know, um, I mean, it, it, definitely an education thing needs to happen. But I mean, people that are responsible—you've been doing it for years. You wrote the book about it. You're, uh, you know, I, when people say, "Do you know anyone that's like an expert with unmanned aircraft systems?" I go, "I know one guy, one guy," and his name is Gene Robinson. Uh, even myself, I do not even. Well, I got billed that, but I usually I'm an ex dash dash pert. Uh, even in my own profile, (laughs) because, uh, you know, you've been out there, you're in the field, you've been doing this, how many years have you, have you been doing this again, Gene?
1: Almost, almost 10. And, and, you know, the thing is, is it's not theoretical. You know, the stuff that we've learned has been in the field, been practical applications and we use what works. I mean, it's been proven many times. We've never had an accident, um, I don't believe we've ever drawn blood from anyone, including me, because it's typically me that, you know, trips, falls down, and, you know, hurts themselves in in these situations. But, uh, you know, we've got an excellent safety record, and, uh, you know, we've we've tried to, to, to keep everything as above board as we possibly could.
0: Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's the mark of a professional, and, um, you know, hats off to you. I know it's it's heart-wrenching, and you're out there in the field and all the rest of that. Do you want to tell us what you're doing today? Me? (laughs) Or not. Yes, what are you doing? What are you doing?
1: Uh, Actually, we were just kind of goofing around, flying some quad rotors and wings, just playing, you know, just doing recreational flying, actually.
0: (laughs) I tried some of that yesterday um we won't get into that but i I need some i need a new
2: propeller (laughs) i i did that over 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 the weekend too i was out we have some cherry blossoms uh in in new jersey near where i live and i was flying the quad around around the trees and put a quick video together it turned out quite nice
1: that was a video i saw that on groups yeah
0: yeah, I saw the uh the stills on Twitter, very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh yeah, so it was it was a great weekend for flying. Um you know. So that was a good thing. But uh, well, that's cool you're out there horse around. But um so I mean as we move forward here uh with um the searching and the case and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, you know, I read through some of that information. I know yet there was a waiting period and there's kind of a mechanical thing um as these things go, can, can you talk a little bit about that, Brandon, without, you know, I mean, I don't expect you to kind of put the cards out there or whatever, but could you kind of talk about the mechanics of this thing?
2: Uh, of the proceeding in the D.C. Circuit? Uh, yes, sir. Well, there, you know, there's a, a to, to put it simply, it, it, there's a briefing uh, schedule that will be put into place. And, you know, typically that, that can take a few months, uh, much in the same way as the Perker case took a few months to Resolve at at the initial level, and you know, considering what what's at issue here—life and death situations—we're hoping to accelerate that. Uh, I I asked the FAA to consent to accelerated briefing uh, or or to agree to a stay of the order. I haven't heard back, Um, so we, you know, we're going to do everything we can to move this forward as quickly as possible. It's it's hard to predict exactly. What the time frame will be at this point? Because it's it's so new, we just filed it yesterday. Uh, But you know, hopefully we will uh, we will get there before too long.
1: Okay. And uh, the one thing that uh, that that we need to to let it be known right now is is Patrick is that my lawyer has told me that we cannot fly because we've gotten this order. So no matter who's called, and we have been called. I don't know how many times since this went into effect, but we've called and we have had to say no to people who need the technology today.
0: <sighs> Man, that's, uh, that's too it's, bad. Uh, you
1: know, it's a very, it's a very difficult situation
2: because, you know, if, if you have an opportunity to save somebody's life, as I think you know, many of these cases are, if not all of them uh, on some level, uh, you know, to be confronted with an order from the federal government saying it's illegal and, and, who knows what the consequences are? That's a, that's a real dilemma and I think unfair, um, which is why we'd hope to resolve this. I know you were pessimistic about sending letters, but, you know, I thought and still think this is a pretty clear case and that the lawyers over there would, would understand that and that we might get some progress that way. So it, it, it's frustrating to, to be in the situation of a government order saying don't do it, and yet there's such a compelling reason to do it if you can.
0: Right. Well, and I'm not saying be discouraged, um, <clears throat> you know, about sending letters. I'm just talking about my personal experience. Again, I'm not a, an attorney or uh, anybody with any, uh, let's say, judicial uh, pull. I'm kind of a just some guy out here, some hothead. Um, but um, I, it is very frustrating. And, and you know, we do have a caller, and it looks like they're calling from Texas. So I'd like to uh, bring them on. So let's let's see what happens here. This could get wild. All right, uh, caller from Texas. You have a question. Hello. Nine two four three seven. No, I don't want to give your number out over the, oh, okay. the air.
1: Yeah, hey, th- this is Robert Ewan Hi, Brennan. Hey, Robert, how are you? Good. I actually I just dialed in to listen. I didn't know I was getting queued in, uh, but uh, yeah, I just was uh, wanted to hear what y'all were up to today. So I'm just going to sit back and listen.
0: You know, questions, how huh? you got, uh, you're totally, uh, you're uh, satisfied with, with what you've heard so far. Well,
1: I, I I follow Brendan a lot, and I talked to uh, Gene the other day, so yeah, I'm kind of cued in.
0: All right, okay, well, you know, thanks for listening. We were just kind of talking, and we're going to go ahead with that, so thanks for calling in. Uh, anyway, so I, I did, when, you know, you were told no, Gene, um did they give you like a list of ramifications were you going to because i've there's been situations where you've been told that you may be actually put under arrest was it going to be a fine Were are they going to come over and slap your hand Were are they going to take you know your milk and cookies away what what did they tell you that they were going to do
1: <laughs> well actually uh again that that uh that response is uh, available for view in the in the document that brendan produced and it's not that I was uh, uh, you know it, they never gave me any consequences, nor did they quote any far specifically that uh, I was to adhere to and uh, I've been told in the past that you know it would be very, very bad if I flew, and uh, then you know obviously all the way up to if you open that case you'll be you'll be arrested. And, uh, but that was by, you know, another, uh, enforcement agency, law enforcement agency that we were ostensibly going to do the work for. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, unfortunately from that standpoint, we've never been given any real concrete consequences. Uh, and other than not knowing, <laughs> I mean, that's probably your imagination can probably do more to you than anything else, uh, when you can say, Oh God, what could they do to me? Uh, that's, that's probably the the biggest factor that causes you to, you know, take pause and say, well, Hmm, maybe I shouldn't fly this, but, um, no, it's, uh, it, it, it we really haven't been given any, any real consequences other than the potential of, uh, you know, the fine that they've thrown out there. But, uh, again, we, we don't think that we fly in a, a careless or reckless fashion. I mean, it's, it's a very planned situation. So, you know, it's, it's difficult to kind of determine how they would pin that on you.
0: Well, so, and I think for, for perspective, let's tell people that Gene that has flown under multiple COAs, right? I mean, you've, you've done this. You, you know what you're doing, right? I mean, weren't yes. you like yeah, one well, of the we, first you know, people to get one?
1: Right. We we wrote one of the, the, the first uh, accepted civilian COAs that was approved by the FAA back in 2008 for the uh, Hayes County Emergency Management Office here in Texas. So uh, it's not like we haven't been through the process and we know what's required. And, uh, uh, of course, I, I still, even though I'm not under COA, we we maintain all the SOPs, the standard operating procedures, the field safety stuff, all of that's maintained just like we were. So it's, you know, it's not a haphazard operation.
0: Oh, no, no, no. But I just wanted that for a a historical perspective. Now, we got somebody else on the line from my neck of
1: the woods here.
0: Let's bring them on and see what happens. Uh, Okay, Northern California, you're up. What do you got?
2: Yes, hi. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, sir. Man, okay, this,
2: great. By the way? Uh, my name is Corey. I'm calling from Lincoln, California, near Sacramento.
0: Okay. And what's your question, yeah. sir?
2: Well, my question is, I understand that uh, the organization is grounded from using, well, I I wish we wouldn't use drones because the public, aside from the RC world, kind of thinks of drones as a search-and-destroy you know, type of machine, but <laughs> anyways, uh, you're grounded from flying. What if someone caught word that uh, T uh, Echoeararch was looking for someone and on their own accord wanted to use uh, their own you know quadcopter or whatnot to to search? would 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 you guys still be on the line for that?
1: It's good question. Well, it, it, it Brandon, to, I, I – I, go ahead.
2: Uh, go ahead. With Gene, you were going to say something?
1: Well, I, you know, there have been other people that have volunteered their services, but, uh, again, we've been told that uh, it's been based on intent. Uh, and if you intend to fly recreationally, it's okay. If you intend to do anything else, then, you know, that's when you fall under their – Clarification, their policy clarification uh, is that not what you you gather, Brendan.
2: Yeah, I, look, I, I can't provide legal advice to people who aren't clients, but it certainly does seem to be the position of this agency that anything other than purely recreational hobby use requires some form of authorization. And currently, there really are only two ways to get authorization. Number one, you're a government agency with with a COA or who's applied for a COA and, and, and you get it that way. But as we know, that's a very intensive process to get that approval. It's specific as to location and, and the type of UAS. Um, so it's not easy, and it's also only available to public agencies. Uh, number two, experimental certificate, if you're manufacturing um, and designing, um, but that, that's not something you'd, you'd want to use or, or think to use in, in this situation. So there's really no path forward for a private, Non-profit organization like Texas EquiSearch, if you believe what the FAA says, the policy is um, con- concerning the use of this technology. Notwithstanding the fact that for decades model airplanes have been used in movies and, and all sorts of commercial applications, non-commercial, uh, you know, non you go out and, and teach the Boy Scouts how to fly. Uh, I, I don't really know where they're drawing the line because there, there's no line that's been drawn. There's none, none of this is regulatory. The responses seem to be, you know, ad hoc as, as they go along, and I, I think that's the consequence of not having a rulemaking process. The, the whole point of having the agency issue proposed rules, receive comments, and then issue a final rule later is that if something is not clear, it's going to be quite obvious in the rulemaking process, the people don't understand what they're saying, and since we haven't had that process, we're kind of uh, scratching our heads here about w- what line they're drawing.
0: Well, I, I mean, isn't that I mean, isn't that the very definition of arbitrary and capricious? I mean, you can't. Well, show me why I can't. You know. Well, you know, we don't have anything I could show you. I, I do think also, I mean, I agree with you that, I mean, most people want to follow the law. I want to follow the law and all the rest of that. But, you know, what law do I follow? And I do believe that uh, it's not clear cut. The ramifications are not clear cut. None of it's clear cut. And in my mind, I I see that, um, well, I don't want to get into, you know, total conjecture, but I do think that they've kind of they're in a pickle. Let's just say that and uh, we're down to about a minute, but uh, any closing comments from Eugene?
1: Well, we're going to continue on. Um, you know, we're in this for the long haul. We really appreciate uh, 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 Brendan's effort, and we're going to see what we can get out of this deal. Uh,
0: Mr. Schulman, would you like care to give us some closing comments?
2: Well, look, I I think this is just one example of the beneficial use of of this kind of technology, and I think we've seen a lot of news reports over the past year or so about privacy concerns and and safety, and I I hope we're finally telling the story about the good things that that drones can do, whether it's for a nonprofit or a commercial application.
0: I would agree with that, and I think it's uh, really more and more in the news. You just see uh, the better uses and, and the Facebooks and the Googles and, and I really believe that it's, uh, we're gonna leave that negative stuff in the dust and it's, uh, all the way but up. And on that note, I'm just going to plug the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo in San Francisco, May 8th and 9th of 2014. Uh, If you want to hear all about the positive uses, commercial, scientific, and whatnot, it's the place to be. Go to www.susbexpo.com. One last thing I wanted to do is, Gene, could you have the website for Texas EquiSearch memorized?
1: Yes, it is www.tx eq.org and do remember that they are a non-profit and they work on donations alone so find that button
0: i hear that okay well thank you guys for being on um you know we'll pick up the uh podcast schedule after the expo thanks everyone for listening have a good time and until next time uh keep the you know right side up and all the rest of that